You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. All right, family, this is going to be a series, and I'm going to give you uh, my inspiration for this series. I think it's uh, extremely, extremely important at this time. I have been talking about this topic for quite some time, doing different um podcast on it, making different commentary during my live. And uh, for the most part, it has been split. So meaning I have men that get it. Automatically, they get it. Very few, but they get it. I have majority of the men who don't get it And either they go into defensive mode or they go into switching the blame mode or they go into outright rage. So I'm going to give you this disclaimer now. If you have an issue with women talking about the failure of men, I suggest you don't even bother listening. Do yourself the favor to not get your blood pressure up. Do yourself the favor from getting blocked. Because I'm not going to argue with anyone in the comments. None of that. Like I've said several times, I'm not here to coddle. And that goes for men and women. I'm just going to go into block mode because this isn't about anyone's feelings. It is. This is not about making anyone feel good. This is not about my supposed responsibility to uplift one, two, three, four, five. This is about the root cause of the destruction of the black family slash the black community. So that is the disclosure, okay? Now, the inspiration for this series that I'm going to do on this podcast is four sets of women with the first woman. Um, a lot of you are going to know who she is. She has a YouTube channel, uh, Cynthia G. Shout out to her. She has been going over the Mohan Report, Think she's uh in into the third one. Matter of fact, she just finished one up and um whew, it got so deep that it it really made me sad. It really made me sad. And um so shout out to Cynthia G. Um another sister, uh Nyla says she has a YouTube channel. Um Tanya TKO and woman's fear. They're all for going over this report in some type of way. Okay. And uh, Cynthia G made the comment today, you know, other women content creators should do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. She's right. Okay. 
I didn't want them to feel I'm copying on them or trying to bite from them, but she's absolutely right. So uh, this particular series that I'm going to do on this podcast is called The Destruction of the Black Family, The Mowing Hen Report. Okay, this is part one. Now I am going to put the disclaimer again. If you're sensitive about this type of information, don't even bother. Save yourself the headache. Click off now. That includes men. That includes women. I'm not going to go back and forth with anyone. I'm not going to try to justify what this report is talking about or justify my commentary while I am giving this report. My responsibility is to the information. My responsibility is not to anyone's feelings or to coddle anyone. That includes men and also women. Okay? We are adults. I know I'm an adult. So with that said, family, uh, here we go. Let me do some technology. Okay, so uh, this report, the case... For National Action, Negro Family. Child, why I start this and didn't give me no water? <clears throat> you see where this is? From 1965. Office of Policy Planning and Research, United States Department of Labor. Okay, so I'm going to skip past the first part. Because I don't want to go into history. You're free to do that on your own. All right? On the American Revolution and all of that jazz. Because that will require me to go a lot deeper into behind what they're saying in there. And that's not the purpose of this particular series. Okay? So we're going to start at Chapter 2, The Negro American Family. Okay? Now remember... When this was put together, 1965, okay? All right, so let's go to page five. All right, uh, bear with me here, <clears throat> okay? At the heart of the deterioration of the fabric of Negro society is the deterioration of the Negro family. It is the fundamental source of the weakness of the Negro community at the present time. Now remember, this is 1965, okay? There is probably no single fact of Negro American life so little understood by whites. The Negro situation is commonly perceived by whites in terms of the visible manifestation of discrimination and poverty, in part because Negro protest is directly, I'm sorry, directed against such obstacles, and in part, no doubt, because these are facts in which involve the actions and attitudes of the white community as well. Okay? So sounds like they're taking some accountability in the poverty situation. Okay? It is more difficult, however, for whites to perceive the effect 
that three centuries of exploitation have had on the fabric of Negro society itself. Here, the consequences of the historic injustices done to Negro Americans are silent and hidden from view. Okay, sounds like more accountability again. But here is where the true injury has occurred. Okay, so before we go on, okay, I see where they're totally taking accountability for three centuries of exploitation. Okay, but Here is where the true injury has occurred. Unless this damage is repaired, all the efforts to end discrimination and poverty and injustice will come too little. The role of the family in shaping character and ability is so pervasive as to be easily overlooked. The family is the basic social unit of American life. It is the basic socializing unit. By and large, adult conduct in society is learned as a child. None of that should be earth-shattering, breaking, so-and-so news. None of it whatsoever. A fundamental insight of psychoanalytic theory, for example, is that the child learns a way of looking at life in his early years, through which all later experiences experience is viewed and which profoundly shapes his adult conduct. It may be hazarded, hazard that the reason family structure does not loom larger in public discussion of social issues is that people tend to assume that the nature of family life is about the same throughout American society. The mass media and the development of suburbia have created an image of the American family as a highly standardized phenomenon. It is therefore easy to assume that whatever it is that makes for differences among individuals or groups of individuals, is it is not a different family structure. Okay, so again, they're pointing out how important family structure is. And because white dominance is prevalent in society, and specifically in American society, because they have a stronger family unit and they have portrayed a stronger family unit. And it's going to be proven that they do have a stronger family unit in this report. And what they show in media is the suburban middle-class family unit. The perception is across the board, everyone has 
such a family structure. It's basically what they're saying, which is not the case. And as we go through this report, you're going to see the impacts of family structure. So let's continue. There is much truth to this. As with any other nation, Americans are producing a recognizable family system, but that process is not completed by any means. There are still, for example, important differences in family patterns, surviving from the age of the great European migration to the United States, and these variations account for notable differences in the progress and assimilation of various ethnic and religious groups. Okay. <clears throat> A number of immigrant groups were characterized by unusual unusually strong family bonds. These groups have characteristically progressed more rapidly than others. That should be self-explanatory. Think about um, Caucasian Italians, strong family unit, etc., etc. Okay? But there is one truly great discontinuity in family structure in the United States at the present time. That between the white world in general and that of the Negro American. Okay. So even with me saying um, the white Italian, they fit in that group. Okay. White. Everyone fits in that group pretty much. Okay. The white family has everyone but Negro, a.k.a. Black, a.k.a. African American. The white family has achieved a high degree of stability and is maintaining that stability. By contrast, the family structure of lower class Negroes is highly unstable and in many urban centers is approaching complete breakdown. Remember, this is 1965. This is before I was born. But I'm going to continue. There is considerable evidence that the Negro community is in fact dividing between a stable middle class group that is steadily growing stronger and more successful and an increasingly disorganized and disadvantaged lower class group. There are indications, for example, that the middle class Negro family puts a higher premium on family stability and the conserve, uh, conserving of a family resources than does the white middle class family. Wow. Well, damn. That's interesting that they said that. The discussion of this paper is not obvious, obviously directed to the first group accepting, accepting as it affects by the experiences of the second and important exception. I'm sorry, that was accepted, exceptions. All right. There are two points to be noted in this content. First, the emergence and increasingly 
visibility of a Negro middle class may beguile the uh, nation into support, supposing that the circumstances of the remainder of the Negro community are equally prosperous, whereas just the opposite is true at present and is likely to continue so. Chow, 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 chow. This is 1965. I want you all to remember that. So they're basically telling you that the middle class Negro family does not make up for the folks, the Negroes or the melanated people that are not middle class. Okay, as far as stability, finances, and all of that jazz. It's not going to make up for that. Let's go. Second, the lumping of all Negroes together in one statistical measurement very probably conceals the extent of the disorganization among the lower class group. Okay. So when they talk about lower class, let's be clear, let's be fair. They're talking about economics, okay? If conditions are improving for one, so meaning if conditions are improving for the middle class and deteriorating for the other, the resultant statistical averages might show no change. So in other words, it washes itself out. It's simple mathematics. Because if you have a small melanated middle class, but a large lower wage class, then if you put those groups together from a mathematic perspective to get the overall health of that group, you're going to show no gains, no change. And as, as big as that lower income group gets, that means the smaller the middle class gets, then you're going to go into negative territory. Simple mathematics. Further, the statistics on the Negro family and most other subjects treated in this paper refer only to a specific point in time. They are a vertical measure of the situation at a given moment. They do not measure the experience of individuals over time. Thank you, Mohan report. So meaning, that is this Rhonda's logic, when I speak on things about the melanated family, when I speak on things about melanated men, when I speak on things as melanated women, I talk on the collective. Okay? So folks crying, kicking and screaming, cussing me out, calling me every name under the sun, moon, stars. That ain't going to change this data. It don't matter 
what you feel I think or what I know, this, that, third, around the block, up the corner, all of that jazz. This is not at this point about individuals. This is about as a collective. This is about the data. Okay? And usually hit dogs will holler. Because folks that's doing what they supposed to do, taking care of theirs, they see it for what it is. But those that want an excuse, want to justify, want to kick the can down the road, want to place blame, that's where the kicking and screaming comes from. And it gets the collective nowhere. Okay? This is about being adults. This is about holding each other accountable. This is about looking and living in truth. This is about breaking generational curses to move forward. Or not. They do not measure the experience of individuals over. They they do not measure the experience of individuals over time. Thus, the average monthly unemployment rate for Negro males for 1964 is recorded at 9%. But. During 1964, some 29% of Negro males were unemployed at one time or another. That's high as hell, y'all. 30%. So this 29% means that men were working on and off. That's high. That's high. That's high as hell. That's 1964. Similarly, for example, if 36% of Negro children are living in broken homes at any specific moment, it is likely that a far higher proportionate of Negro children find themselves in that situation at one time or another in their lives. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mohan report. Wait, wait, wait one minute. Let a sister get her capacities together. 36%? Remember, this is 1965. Well, that's when the report came out. They gathered the data from 1964. 36%? That's almost 40%. (sighs) Let's continue. Nearly a quarter of urban Negro marriages are, are dissolved. Nearly a quarter of Negro women living in cities who have ever married are divorced separated, or are living apart from their husbands. Remember this 1964. 
percent distribution of ever married females with husbands absent or divorced, rural, urban. This is 1960. Child aid and went back to 1960. Here's the stats. Total husbands absent or divorced. Uh, is that negative 22%? Non-white, white 7.9. Um, rural, non-farm. Okay, so that's the white folk number, y'all. Okay. Total husband absent, um, separated husband absence for other reasons. Oh, wait a minute, Rhonda. Total husband's absent, 17.3 for non-whites. Ciao. Non-whites must mean Negro. Yep, non-whites is Negro. Negro, black, colored, African-American. <sighs> Melanated. Okay, sorry, I was reading this wrong. I apologize. The non-white threw me off. I apologize in advance. So this is urban, rural, non-farm, rural. Let's start this over. Total husbands absent or divorced. In the urban category, black, 22%. White, 7.9. So across each one of these, is significantly higher for black. Total husband's absence, 17% for blacks, 3.9 for whites. That's in the urban. Rural, you can see, uh, they say rural, non-farm. I'm assuming that's suburbs. 12%, 3%. God, ooh. Child, I'm trying to keep this clean. So even in the suburban, y'all, that's still high. Because rural non-farm means suburban. That's still high. 12% among blacks, 3% among whites. Now remember these married folk now. And remember this is 1964. Now on the farm, 8.6% for black, which that's still high too. 2%. Separated. 12% black. 1% white. That's in the urban. So you can see these across the board. Even in the suburban, it's 7%. So this is the separated folks. 1% white. Rural, meaning the farm, 5.5 for whites. Husbands absent for other reasons. 4.6. 2.1. Got you. I get how they did it. So y'all can see the stats here. And the total divorce. Now, this is what is really, really, really extremely interesting. 
Because when you get to total divorce, there is not much difference between the black and white. That's across the board. So that means for urban, which is city life, I know y'all, most of y'all know that. So for black, it's 5% or 5.6%. So if you want to round it up to 6%, whatever the case may be, we'll stick with 5%. For whites, even 4%. And the suburbs, it's even. It's straight up even in the suburbs between black and white. Child, this is telling. Do you understand me? And I'm going to tell you why it's telling. So in the suburbs for divorce between black and white, it was even, 2%. Same with farming, the farm uh, community. It was even for black and white, 1%. So the total husband or absent or divorced that 22%. And you know what? Let's just go to these three numbers. Total, husband absent, separated, or husband left for other reasons. In the black community, that's what a high number is, family. That's exactly where the high number is. Child, why Amazon always got to come in the wrong time? That's where the high number is, family. All right. After Amazon, done. <sighs> Interrupted the sister. So what I was uh, saying was the high 22% of... Distribution of ever married females with husband absent or divorced for 1960. So the high overall rate of 22%, hell, might as well say 23% for the black community. What makes up that 22% number, the big bulk of it, is total husbands absent, separated, Wow. So in other words, legally, black women were still married. But the black husbands were not in the house. There's no comparison across the board between the two. But when it got down to actual divorce, the numbers, wow, yeah, um, the numbers were similar. Wow, this is deep. This is the data family. So that means black men left up out of the home in large amount. These are married black men back in the 1960s. Let's continue. 
And they took it from the census population. The rates are highest in the urban Northeast, where 26% of Negro women (coughs) ever married are either divorced, separated, or have their husbands absent. Child, let me pause this. I'll be right back. Sister got to get her some water. I should have got it when the Amazon man came. Child, hold on a second. I'm going to need some water for this. I apologize. Hold on, family. Okay, back. Whew. The rates are higher in the nor- in the urban northeast, so remember city, northeast where 26% of the ne- of negro women ever married are either divorced, separated, or have their husbands absent. On the urban frontier, the proportion of husbands absent is even higher. That's what I was saying. Well, I was reading not what I was saying, what the numbers was saying up there. Child. In New York City in 1960, whew, it was 30%, not including divorces. Among ever married non-white women in the nation, the proportion with husbands present declined in every age group over the decade 1950 through 60 as followed. Okay. All right. So they're just showing you the decline. And as you can see, It gets worse as the age dips. Wow. Although similar declines occur among white females, the proportion of white husbands present never drop below 90% except for the first and last age groups. So this is like a double punch in the so-and-so stomach because these stats talk about black folks that were married had a 30% where the father wasn't in the home, the husband wasn't in the home. Well, 20... Well, let's say in the case of New York, but overall 26%, okay? But in that report, it was overall 22% where when the black mother was married to the black father or husband, 22% of those marriages did not have the husband slash father in the home. In New York... In the 1960s, it was 30%. Child. Now they're saying the proportion 
with husband present decline in every age group over the decade. Okay? So you can see 1950, it was 77%. And to be honest, y'all, to be real honest, I thought it was higher. I thought it was going to be in the 1950s. I thought it was going to be like in the 90 percentile. I'm just straight up tripping. Okay, by the time um, it get to 1960, 72%. Okay, so even if we want to say back then, actually, to be honest, back then, most people got married in this first quadrant. Because, hell, my parents in the 60s got married at 18. Okay, but nonetheless, you can see, right? Now, when you get to uh, white husbands and white women, their stuff never dropped. Sorry, I don't mean to make y'all dizzy. Below 90%. Except for the first age group, which is 15 through 19-year-olds. So that means they got married later. Damn, y'all, this data really tells you a lot. And the last one, which makes sense because by 40 to 44 years, you would expect most people to already be married. So that makes sense or widowed or whatever the case may be. Damn. Nearly one quarter of Negro births are now illegitimate. Remember, this was back in the 1960s. Both white and Negro illegitimacy rates have been increasing, although from dramatically different bases. The white race was 2% in 1940. It was 3% in 1963. Ciao. In that period, the Negro rate went from, nine, uh, from 16% to 23%. So you mean to tell me even in the 1940s, our stuff was still that much higher. Oh my God. The number of illegitimate children per thousand live births increased by 11 among whites in the period of 1940 to 1963, but by 68 among non-whites, which, which are really just black. Black slash melanated, etc., whatever term you want to put on it, Negro color, whatever. There are, of course, limits to the dependability of these uh, <coughs> statistics. There are almost certainly a considerable number of Negro children who, although technically illegitimate, are in fact the offspring. A spring of stable unions, okay? So in their defense, they trying to be fair with it. They're saying even though they may not have been 
legally married, you still have in that number folks that are uh, parenting properly. On the other hand, it may be assumed that many births that are in fact illegitimate illegitimate are recorded otherwise. Probably the two opposite effects cancel each other out. So that goes back to what I was saying before with the middle class situation versus lower income. So the number of people unmarried having children and doing very well raising those children in a stable environment is smaller than the ones that are not. So simple mathematics, when you put the two together, there is no gain. Okay? Percent distribution of ever married Negro females with husband absent or divorce, sorry, divorce in urban areas by region 1960. Child, let's hit it. Total husband absent or divorced. Okay, so that's the total number. 25% in the Northeast. North Central, 22%. In the South, 21%. In the West, 24%. Damn, y'all. I expected the South to be much lower than that. Divorce. So now they finna just break down this 25% number. Divorce. Uh, Northeast, 3.9. It's the same story, but which... uh, 7.3, because it's the same... This is the same numbers of above. They're just giving it to you to break down just for black folk only. 22%. Uh, North, uh, I'm sorry, seven divorce, three point three percent northeast, north central seven percent, south four percent, west nine percent. Separated. I see folks wanted they stayed in that MF and separated column. Sixteen percent northeast, north central eleven percent, south eleven percent, west ten percent. Husband, absent for other reasons, 5%, Northeast, North Central, 3%, South, 4%, West, 4%. So they just broke down the numbers that they gave above when they were giving you uh, the uh, white stats up against the black stats. And it still comes out the same where uh, the lowest number is divorced. So meaning the largest chunk was folks, um, quote, quote, separated or just absent. The non-white illegitimacy rate is eight times the white ratio. Let's go. I mean, 
you don't even have to look at that this graph to see non-white versus white. Non-white illegitimate ratio is eight times the white ratio. We're going to continue. On the urban frontier, the non-white illegitimacy rates are usually higher than the national average and the increase of late has been uh, drastic. In the District of Columbia, the illegitimacy rate for non-whites grew from 21.8% in 1950 to 29.5% oh, in 1964. A similar picture of disintegrating Negro marriages emerged from the divorce statistics. Divorces have increased of late for both whites and non-whites, but at a much greater rate for the later. In 1940, both groups had a divorce rate of 2.2%. By 1964, the white rate had risen to 3.6, but the non-white rate rate had reached 5.1%, 40% greater than the formerly equally white rate. Okay. Oh. Almost one-fourth of Negro families are headed by females. Remember, this was 1960. And just hold on to your seats. Because they going to get in detail. They're going to get into detail in this report. And because, again, we're getting to the root issues of the destruction of the black family. Almost one-fourth of Negro families are headed by females. As a direct result of this high rate of divorce, separation, and desertion... A very large percent of Negro families are headed by females. Pause. I want that to sink in. Remember, this is 1960. And we can really go back to 1940. Because they done put that up in there. While the percentage of such families among whites have been dropping since 1940, it has been rising among Negroes. The percent of non-white families headed by a female is more than double the percentage for whites. I want that to pause. So black women are raising children on their own double that of white women. Fatherless non-white families increased by a sixth between 1950 and 1960, but held constant for white families. It has been estimated that only a minority of Negro children reached the age of 18 having lived 
all their lives with both of their parents. Illegitimacy ratios per 1,000 non-white births by city. Child, they didn't come to play in this report, baby. 1950 and 1962. Let's hit it. So non-white black, that means they talking about black folk. Chicago. Illegitimacy rates per thousands. Y'all seeing this? Chicago and Cincinnati running neck and neck. Cleveland, y'all ain't too far behind. Wow, Dallas was higher than... um. Cleveland and almost running neck and neck with Chicago and Cincinnati. Detroit, okay. You almost was at the 200 mark. 200,000 mark. Damn, Houston, you ain't too far behind. You about one little hair, one little hair from Shy and Cincinnati. Shine Cincinnati almost at that 300 slash 300,000 mark. God diggity, Memphis, y'all are off the mother effing chain. Baby, y'all beat everybody. You about, what, at 350,000? This was back in, what they said, uh, from the 1950s to 1962. Milwaukee, a little bit over the 200,000 mark. Minnesota, Minneapolis. Still Minnesota, but this is the city. So Minneapolis, you were almost at the 300,000 mark. New Orleans, uh, y'all just under the 200 mark, maybe 180,000. Philly, Philly, you at about 250,000. San Antonio, mm, I shouldn't say, too, I don't want to say too bad. You probably at the 150,000 mark. Seattle, a little bit uh, over 100,000 mark, maybe 120. DC, you, shoot, DC, you probably, well, you neck and neck with Minneapolis. Uh, so y'all see the numbers. Probably 270, something like that, 270,000. Remember, Illegitimacy births by blacks from the 50s to 62. All right, let's continue. Almost one fourth of the non white families are headed by a woman. So, y'all can see it. Twenty-five percent. You might as well say twenty-five percent. As you can see, white women and and down here, they're giving it to you. So, 
almost 25%, you might as well say 25%, for black women in 1962, be raising children on their own. Versus for white women, it was below 10%. Now, this is the part that blew my locks all the way to so-and-so back. Let's go back to 1949. Below 10%. So, overall, for whites, 10% for whites... For blacks, was still double 20%. And his study rose for black women, and it stayed pretty much constant for white women. So again, this is showing women raising children or heading a household white women versus black women let's continue <sighs> hmm This is getting depressed. I'm depressed already, y'all. Because we ain't even talking about today. We're talking, Boomer, this is your generation. So meaning this would be my parents' generation. And when they get into the 40s and stuff, that's my grandparents' generation, which they were called a silent generation. And it wasn't looking all rosy back then either. This, this is really straight blowing my wig back or my locks. Uh, percent distribution of white and non-white families in the United States by the type of family. This is the 1950s and 60s. Husband and wife, 88%. 74%. I'm sorry, for whites, 88%. For blacks, 74%. 14% difference. In the 1950s, it was 87%. Um, 78% for uh, blacks, so that was a 9% difference. Other male-headed. White, 3%. Black, 5%. So negative 2%. That was 1960. <sighs> Back in the 50s, it was uh, split even. Okay? So black men in the 60s you had a 2% gain on running the household by yourself over white men. 
Child, this is where it is. And remember, this is, let's start with 1960. Female-headed household, 9% were white, 21% for black women. 12% difference in the 50s, 9% single female household for white women. For black women, 18%. So that's a 9% difference. I'm going to leave that right there while I sip some water. So folks can reflect. Remember, this is 1960. Hell, 1950. Let's continue. Here's where we finna get into it. Because what has been run amok in the black community recently, and I don't know, well... Yes, I do, because this crap started, this narrative started actually with the baby boomers talking about welfare took black men up out of the home. And you have still to this day, Generational X and Millennials repeating that narrative, and I just about want to vomit. Because first of all, what man, what man of any type of dignity, self-worth, slash value, would form his thoughts to say that a welfare check stopped him For providing and caring and building and protecting his family. But yet, this is the narrative that has been given to try to justify these statistics. That I have just gone over via this mowing hand report, which they got their data from the census report. And I'm sure the next one we fence to go over, which is this AFDC or the welfare system. Children on AFDC with fathers absent compared with all children on AFDC. Okay, so right there, that kills the narrative that welfare took black men up out of the home. Because if they have to compare, if they're comparing children on welfare with the father's absence compared with all children, that kills that whole narrative that welfare took the black men out the home. Okay, so this goes into the millions. Shit, this is high. Dag, that goes my, I wasn't going to cuss. 
child. Here it is, family. You see this big old mountain of fathers absent? Do you see the mountain of fathers absent versus other? And it even says in the little um, footnotes, it excludes those fathers who were dead or incapacitated. So back up in 41, it was almost at a million. Now I'm talking about the absentee fathers whose babies are receiving welfare. Fifties, about one point five. You get to sixties, over two million. By the time sixty three hit, three million. Compare to other, so other would mean either the fathers were the primary caregiver or married couples. Total different numbers. In the 40s, under a meal. The 50s, Almost a meal, I put it at maybe, I don't know, seven, eight hundred thousand. By the time you get to 63, at a meal. So that's a huge leap between children whose fathers are absent compared with the children whose father is in the picture on welfare. Let's continue. Once again, this measure of a family's disorganization is found to be diminishing among white families and increasing among Negro families. The breakdown of Negro family has led to a startlingly increase in welfare dependency. Ooh, chow, 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 chow. <coughs> Excuse me, family. The majority of Negro children receive public assistance under the welfare program at one point or another in their childhood. At present, 14% of Negro children are receiving welfare assistance as against 2% of white children. Remember, this was back in 1960. 8% of white children receive such assistance at some time as against 56% of black children. According to... <sighs> 
an extrapolation based on huge data. Let it be noted, however, that out of a total of 1.8 million black illegitimate children in the nation in 1961, 1.3 million were not receiving aid under the uh, welfare. Okay program, although a substantial number have or will receive aid at some point in their lives, which makes sense if folks were married and then the father was no longer in the household. So that number makes sense. Again, the situation may be said to be worsening. The welfare program deriving from the long-established Mother's Aid Program was established in 1935 principally to care for widows and orphans. Although the legislation covered all children in homes deprived of parental support because one or both of the parents are uh, or absent or incapacitated. So, child, originally the welfare program was really just supposed to be for women who lost their husbands through death, not through divorce, all of that separation, all of that jazz, through death and orphans. So meaning children that didn't have either parent. But they wind up covering all children. Because of uh, absent or incapacitated. In the beginning, the number of welfare families in which the father was absent because of desertion was less than a third of the total. Today, it's two-thirds. Hugh estimates that between two-thirds and three-fourths of the 50% increase from 1948 to 1955 in the number of absent father families receiving welfare may be explained by an increase in broken homes in the population. <sighs> cases, cases open under welfare compared with unemployment rates for non-white males. So... Cases open under welfare compared with unemployment rate for black men. <clears throat> okay, so let's see how we need to read this. Okay, that's the year down there. Okay, that's in the thousands. And what's this over here? Sorry, trying to see. <sighs> okay, so this line is the welfare. Okay, so as you can see from 1948, it's been steadily going up. It peaked in the 50s. Okay, along with the unemployment rate. So really the unemployment rate 
and the number of welfare cases open, the data runs pretty much neck and neck. Pretty much runs neck and neck. Although, that's interesting. Seems, let's see, unless I'm reading this wrong, round 64, the welfare cases spiked to almost, what's that, over 400,000, but the unemployment rate dropped for black men. That's interesting. Okay, now I could be reading that wrong. Let's see what they say. A 1960 study of aid to dependent children in Cook County stated, the typical ADC mother in Cook County was married and had children by her husband who deserted. His whereabouts are unknown and he does not contribute to the support of his children. She is not free to remarry and has had an illegitimate child since her husband left. Almost 90% of welfare families are Negro. Damn, y'all. So Cook County, that's that Chicagoland area. Which that would make sense because remember the graph they showed us above? It was what at the 300 something thousand mark. Child. Mm, mm, mm. So, who took black men out of the home? This just used in Chicago. This back in the 1960s. The typical ADC or welfare. Mother in Cook, uh, 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 the typical welfare mother in Cook County was married and had children by her husband who what deserted his whereabouts are unknown and he does not contribute to the support of his children. She is not free to remarry. Well, y'all know that you can't get remarried if you already married to someone and you can't divorce someone if you don't know where they are. Because you got to serve them. You got to serve them with them divorce papers, right? And even in some states today, you still have to physically serve your spouse with the divorce papers. 90% of welfare families are Negroes. The study expansion of this welfare program as a as of public assistance programs in general can be taken as a measure of the steady disintegration of the Negro family structure over the past generation in the United States. Remember, this was the 1960s. This baby boomers generation. So now we're what? My generation is generation X. That's one generation. Millennial is another generation. That's another generation. Now we're coming up on uh, the Z's. Some of you are starting to have 
our children. So now this is three generation forward. And we already know for a fact that it ain't got no better. We also can see, back it up to the silent generation, <coughs> that 1940s and some change generation, it wasn't even looking rosy back then. Ciao. All right. We're going to stop right there. I'm going to come to a part two. Um, I'm going to try to do this at least once a week, depending on uh, my time, my energy. I may even do it uh, twice a week. Um, again, I'll give you the source of this information. This is the, uh, the case uh, the case for national action. This is the knee of Negro family. This, the report was produced in 1965, Office of Policy Planning and Research, United States Department of Labor, but it's called the Moahan's Report, okay? So we're going to come back. Uh, I'll be back next week. Um, might even drop another one this week, a part two, because we're going to go through this report to get to the root problem of the destruction of the black family and the black community. So um, thank you all family so much for this. I know this is rough information. I'm not fencing to sit up here and lie. It's been rough for me. I had no idea that it was that bad back then. I, I did not know that. I did not realize that in uh, the baby boomers generation. And I show in the heck did not know that back even in my grandparents generation. I didn't know, um, you know, when I was going in on the state of the black community, the black family, um, black relationships, I was literally basing it on the perspective from my generation X um, perspective and looking back from a view on my parents and my grandparents. Oh, wow. And I, and I, I'm really just blown away. So we'll be back, uh, in a couple days on this family. So uh, I want to thank you all so much. Uh, this is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family.